RCR with Paul Brennan, Reality Check Radio. Today is Monday, July 3rd. July already. Anything special about that day? Well, for those who are keen followers of freedom, that date might ring a bell. It's Julian Assange's 51st birthday today. Julian Assange. And on the program now is Alex Hills from Candles for Assange. And she is here to talk about what is happening around the globe to mark his birthday and his terrible situation and to talk about the whole experience that you know we've been observing over what now eight or nine or nearly 10 years alex welcome to reality check radio thanks for coming on oh, thank you so much for having me on this very important day it's actually his 52nd birthday i should oh, okay <laughs> he was 51 up till yeah today. yeah all right um still a young man <laughs> younger mm. than me anyway mm. so what happens today around the world to mark this day um, well, obviously, there's an awful lot of uh, support for Julian because he's exposed war crimes and corruption and genocide and eco-terrorism -ter and you name it. He's exposed it. He's embarrassed the left and right of every government. So he's always had an awful lot of support, but that's been degraded over the years. Um, but today we're actually holding a global protest, as we often do um, around key dates like this, and um, as it's Julian's birthday. And I think today I've managed to list about 38 uh, cities holding actions. Um, the best we've ever managed was probably 2019, and we managed to uh, get 62 cities and uh, about 20 countries involved. Um, I think today it's going to be about 10. Um, and that includes uh, New Zealand cities? It does, yes. And um, today we're going to be meeting at Cuba Mall at uh, 12 noon and uh, we're going to give out some um, pre-printed letters to send to MPs and we're going to have a banner, uh, probably some music um, and cake, hopefully, oh. uh, if I get my act birthday in gear. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Which is more than he would cake. get. I believe so, yes. He has very few visitors, um, very little access at all to the outside world, no internet. Um, it's been like that. He's been cut off since 2018 now. Yeah. Um, but now, what what, what was this, the, the terrible thing he did? I'm just remembering back. WikiLeaks, <laughs> and they dumped a whole lot of, of data which really gave us an insight into how the world works. That's yeah. right. Yeah. I mean, um, Julian is unique in the journalism world in that he set up a method for uh, anonymous uh, Dropbox, really, for uh, whistleblowers to put any information that they might have um, that, that is important for the public interest. Um, and one of the most poignant pieces of that information was the collateral murder video, um, which many, many people have seen where Reuters I've journalists seen I've seen it. were mm. gunned down. Um, a man trying to rescue children that were, were um, caught in the crossfire was, was killed. Um, it was, and, and they approached it like it was a video game cheering and yeehaw. And it was just one of the most awful things to watch. And I think that's one of the things that really sticks in people's minds. But of course, he's, um, um, expose all sorts of corruption on the left and right of every government, pretty much in the West, but also, you know, Russia, also, you know, China, 
Um, a lot of criticism is that he doesn't ever say anything about um, other countries, but uh, that isn't really true. Um, and so, yeah, he, he's exposed all sorts of things, genocide, corruption, um, climate gates when, um, you know, there was fraud in the climate, but also eco-terrorism, um, um, you know, human trafficking, um, blackmail networks, you name it, he has embarrassed um, governments um, and it doesn't really seem to matter what side as we all know they all seem to uh, be singing from the same song sheet um, and so yeah he's in a situation where he has embarrassed most of the politicians in the world and it's very hard to get support but incredibly New Zealand is one of the few places in the world which doesn't even have a single MP who's spoken out for a sign. I was just going to mention that I haven't yeah. heard a peep from anyone not one. Now, why and would that be, do you think? Well, I think that we're sort of poised to be the censorship czars for the world, and it just wouldn't do having someone revealing information like this that embarrasses governments. So, um, And as we all know, you know, in the whole of history, in human history, there's, the censors have never been the good guys. And um, that's why, you know, if we want to have a democracy uh, with any kind of transparency, any kind of free press or free speech, we, we really have to allow things that are in the public interest to be communicated and he took great care to redact anything that was harmful and even the pentagon had to admit that no one has ever been harmed by any of the wikileaks releases so a lot of the arguments that you hear that have managed to sway support over the years which was really strong in 2010 when he was exposing iraq and uh, afghanistan war, all sorts of wars it was very strong support and especially in the left but you could see that getting slowly eroded as they, uh, you know, brought up issues of national security, people getting harmed, the fact that Trump was helped supposedly by his releases of true information. Well, I think um, that did him, that that was a problem for him. He couldn't have foreseen that. But that mm, Trump derangement syndrome. That's right. Yes, it's an incredible. Affected a lot of people. <laughs> yeah, it's a mass a mass formation, isn't it? Like never before. Um, and so xenophobic and so against the nature of these people. How You know, I mean, I used to consider myself a lefty and I have completely abandoned partisan Same. thinking as a result. They walked um, away from me, not the other yeah, way around. Yeah, yeah. Um, I know that you've um, been involved, um, speaking of that, in um, in tertiary lecturing, education right. lecturing. Yeah. What what happened there? Because I don't think you're doing uh, that now, are you? No, I'm not. I still I still do architecture um, for myself, um, but I've kept it pretty low key since leaving academia. Um, I was doing that when my children were little. I sort of left practice in London and came to um, Australia in 2006. And my special subject was um, green architecture, you know, um, sustainable architecture. But gradually over the uh, over the years, it became quite clear that the last thing they wanted was sort of self sufficient people producing their own food and water and power locally and healthy buildings quite the opposite everything was driven towards smart cities electric cars a sort of globalist horrific orwellian agenda where everything is monitored and the internet of things is in your life everywhere and it just became quite clear that the last thing that these people want not that they're bad people within academia it's just that the carrot
spirits that they're following are sort of um, corporate profit led. And, um, you know, we could be building without plastics and timber treatments and all that and whatnot. And it became very clear to me that the only way to um, really help the environment and all the pollution and stuff that we're suffering from is for free press and anti-censorship because these academics are not getting the true information. They are very much swayed by institutional um, BS, frankly. (laughs) Well put. Do you think the Mm. left has walked away then from Julian Assange? Well, I think, you know, the mainstream left, the blue anons, however you want to describe them. Um, yes, certainly. The ones that have gone along with the, the media narrative have, have certainly deserted him. But I believe that they have lost an awful lot of support because of that and actually just driven people to a sort of a more nonpartisan position generally. Um, throughout the world, I think that people are beginning to realise that the, the, you know, partisan game is a bit of a, a puppet show, really. Um, yeah. Mm. Um, I don't see it again in our local media. I could have missed it. And maybe it was there well, years ago now because it's been running so long. Um, journalists sticking up for a journalist. No, no. And I mean, when we did the 2019 um, Candles for Assange and had 62 cities, I was ringing up RNZ and all sorts of people trying to get that the word out that, you know, this local New Zealand group has managed to sort of instigate this massive protest and, you know, just to highlight the case. And they didn't even know how to spell Assange. I mean, I, I, I was on the kidding fifth, me. I was on the fifth person at, at RNZ and I literally had to explain who Assange was to one of the so-called reporters. I, I just was so shocked. And, oh, uh, yeah, it's been like that the whole way. Um, I did I did a bit of a rogue speech in Parliament for World Press Freedom Day, um, and really it was incredible how um, how it was received when I spoke about Assange because obviously they weren't letting anyone ask any questions, um, no. and it was hosted by the British High Commissioner, who whispered to Richard Harlan, um, his politic website I can't remember his his web address but he no. suddenly goes oh I believe Luke Harding said that he isn't a journalist. Um, and sort of spouting the the you know the the usual disinformation about the case. Um, As if uh, being a journalist is anything to be amazed by these days anymore. These days, I mean, maybe go not. Go buy a pack of wheat bigs, cut off the thing on the back, and you are one kind of these days. <laughs> That's right. Um, um, yeah, yeah, it's incredible that um, they've they've. I just don't know how that they could let that this issue go. If you if you really truly believe in what journalism used to be. This would be something that you'd almost be the hill you die on, and right. it just doesn't happen. But I'm, I suppose we're not surprised in this current environment about that. Do well, I we think know- the whole aim is to be the chilling effect that it's had on journalism. I mean, basically, we're in a situation now, which we can see all too clearly, that journalists are, t- uh, you know, in general, too frightened to uh, report the truth. And and this is the situation why we're in such a, a pickle at the moment, I believe. Yeah, well, they consciously report misinformation and disinformation and then gaslight right. us that the people like us, or me anyway, I won't talk for you, are doing <laughs> the same thing. Do we know accurately Julian Assange's physical and mental condition? Well, um, we know that he had a stroke um, after the sort of jabs were rolled out and we believe that he had one. Um, he had a stroke literally on his Actually, trial wait on. I'm surprised to hear that. I would yeah. have thought that someone like Julian Assange would have been automatically incredibly sus- suspicious. I could be wrong about that. That That's weird. 
to me. Well, his dad told me that he probably he he didn't think he had a ch- a choice, but I do know that his wife was asking, you know, what people thought about him getting it at the time. Um, and of course, everyone jumped on. And there's a lot. I mean, probably there's a few Assange supporters who've gone along with the narrative, but in general, most people are fairly awake in this area and uh you know people jumped on that thread and said please don't it's experimental please wait until may 2023 when we get the data you know just 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 think a little bit but i don't think that he could possibly have his you know mental faculties like he did you know uh, a few years ago um it's very very sad indeed and i mean he's been really um under torture um, the UN Rapporteur on Torture, Niels Melsner, um, said that he'd never seen a case of, of torture so bad as, as Julian Assange in his 20 years of going to third world <laughs> countries. And um, and yet the UN just completely ignored their own <laughs> rapporteur. And eventually he lost his job. I mean, he moved on and he wrote a book. But, yeah, it's, it's incredibly sad. He's been tortured. Um, we haven't heard a word since 2018. No one even saw a, a wedding picture no one saw no one's allowed to see what he looks like and i wonder whether that's because he is physically obviously damaged um or you know you could tell by the way he talks i mean i know that they they kept him in a hot cell and they woke him up seven times during the night before his extradition trial um searched him repeatedly and so by the time he got to um actually the trial to stand in the glass box he was barely able to utter his name. Um, so w- we know that his, his mental state is really, really poor. That's and, evil. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, um, we've also recently found out, and I mean, I guess we, we we kind of knew from the mutterings a long time ago, but we've recently found out that Pompeo was um, plotting to assassinate him. Um, it's bad enough that they tried to kidnap him from the Ecuadorian embassy, which is, you know, Ecuadorian territory. And the way they did that was by using an IMF loan to Ecuador of 4.2 billion to bribe them, right? Oh, the and we all, I know, and we all heard that he was silenced because of his his discussion on Catalonia or his treatment, in, you know, that he was smearing shit on the walls of the embassy. We heard all sorts of stuff. And I don't believe that was the real reason he got silenced when he did. Uh, in fact, I think it was one of his very last video appearances which which caused that, um, some of the things he was saying. So that stay in the Ecuadorian embassy, while it looked sort of okay on the surface, like he was being given a safe harbour, et cetera, I mean, that could have also been used to try and, well, to, to spy on him every second, every minute of that day. It would be kind of a, a convenient thing to have that person in one place for that long. Yeah, well, there's no what, question and, that and what they, they trying to find him. out. Are they trying to find out the sources? Is that what they're trying to? We're trying to find out. Uh, well, they were harassing every journalist that came to visit him, um, taking their phones, confiscating them, downloading them. Um, so there's a, there's an active court case in the states at the moment about that, but there's also a case regarding the spying that went on by UC Global when he was in the embassy because even even the toilet wasn't safe. So, you know, he used to go and have meetings in the toilet, and he really only had a corridor and two tiny rooms. It looked like a glamorous building in London, but I mean, he was literally unable to come out on the balcony. Apart Apart from when there was a huge crowd when he gave an you know a speech long long ago, but he was there for seven and a half years, and I imagine that really wore him down. But um, nothing compares to being in a tiny cell in Britain's Guantanamo um, yeah. in the heart Bell of London. Belmarsh, right? 
Belmarsh, yeah, really yeah. horrible place to get to, I can tell you. And why do they need to hold him like that? I mean, what's he going to do? Well, jump they're holding the, it. Jump over the fence, you know, like 50 yeah. feet in one bound. There, there's absolutely no reason why they couldn't put an ankle bracelet on him, even if, even though he doesn't deserve it. He hasn't had any charges or any kind of, um, you know, uh, in, initially it was because he'd skipped bail. Yeah, but in Sweden, skipped, right? Yeah. Well, yeah, that's another disinformation <laughs> story. But um, the, yeah. the initial reasons for him to be um, locked up was a year because he um, he thwarted bail. But the problem was that he was actually given political asylum, and that's completely legal. He was being persecuted because Sweden had an extradition treaty with um, the USA and the entire case was contrived. Um, in fact, they even tried it in Iceland a few months before Sweden and failed, and that's how we know <laughs> how it was contrived by the FBI. Um, apparently, an Icelandic MP had to throw out of the country an entire plane load of FBI agents who shouldn't even be working outside of the States. Um, and he's on record saying that they were trying to catch him with a honeypot or, you know, trying to highlight, you know, some exposures that they'd done of the Icelandic government and get, get the MPs on side to persecute him there. Um, and they didn't have any luck. But, of course, they moved months later to Sweden. Um, and then we, you know, had this long, ongoing um, investigative stage. It never got beyond investigative stage because there was nothing there. Um, and yes, of course, it was just it was just to trick him to get to um, to Sweden so that they could then move him on to the USA. But of course, at the time, they said it was a conspiracy and that he was he was jumping at shadows and there was no US indictment. But of course, it all came to light that he was a hundred percent on the case. I, I very well remember an interview before he was, you know, incarcerated or found um, asylum, which turned out not to be asylum in the. Ecuadorian embassy in London regarding the leaks of the Hillary Clinton emails right, or the, or the Democrat Party emails at around the 2016 and the run-up to the 2016 election that Trump won. And uh, he was being, you know, probed for where did, who, who was the source? And of course, there was a guy called Seth Rich yes. who died. I think he was uh, murdered an apparent robbery, though no one stole anything from him, even though mm. he had two grand in his wallet, apparently. And he, the way he answered that, he said he'd never, he'd, he didn't reveal sources. But for a long time, it's been thought that Seth Rich was the source. Yeah, he, he offered a reward, actually, for finding his killer, which did spark some, some um, you know, people people looking into the case uh, a little bit further. But, but um, yeah, there's actually other people like Kim.com and Craig Murray, a Scottish journalist, who can confirm that that, that is the most likely story because um, it was something to do with the file transfer rate of the, of the files That's that came right. from the DNC, and yeah. they were just too fast to have been laid down over the internet they were local files yeah and so drive, that means right? it was some a thumb drive in the dnc offices themselves and seth was the database manager yeah he was um and he was a bernie fan and everyone yeah. knows what they did what hillary did to bernie but what's more in those pedestrian emails there is evidence of um pedophiles i know you know it's 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 disgusting our politicians um, have been seen meeting with podesta our politicians. Unbelievable. You'd think that they would steer clear. <laughs> well, no wonder they don't say anything about Assange. 
Mm. Because wow. um, I mean that just by association calls into into question. But that could be the. I was just thinking it's probably more than one thing, but that could be the the real nub of it. Because once you find out that and the fact that he was murdered, now you're talking about murder. Mm, mm. Yeah, I mean, uh, we we know that the Democratic Party is lost, really. And, uh, I mean, I have hope for RFK, but I can't understand for, for the life of me why he's running in the Democratic Party at all. Um, but, yes, uh, the, the damning evidence in there was, it was incredible. But then Hillary is very powerful, and what's her body count up to, I think, of people that have inexplicably died? Arkansas. <laughs> Arkansas, it's yeah. it's well in the fifties now. I, I I couldn't tell you. It was forty eight, like probably in two thousand. I think there was one just a few weeks ago. Actually, that's right. Yeah. yeah. Anyone who's involved in the case, we've got Epstein as well. I mean, you know, Clinton went uh, twenty six times on the plane to Epstein's island. I mean, of course, all of them on both sides of the aisle are implicated. So well, you this can is imagine, the issue, isn't it? Yeah. It's, it, it's a it, yeah. Don't think there's. These are it's um, partisan in any way. No. Yeah. No. No. So no, and I think that's where most people are at now is realizing that there's no hope with any of these main parties, nor the Greens. I mean, in some ways, the Greens are the worst at driving Agenda 2030 and all that nonsense. Um, it's you know, all the main parties are lost, and so it's really time to gather up our resources and work together on the uh, well, third party a, independent front. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so, people are people are doing that, and it's uh, yeah. it's a bit, a bit messy at the moment. But let's see what happens. You make a let's good point so. about the greens because mm. you think the green philosophy would involve bodily autonomy and nature well i'm a i'm appalled to say that i even volunteered for the greens a long time ago um but since then i've become quite a pariah to them i think and um you know i've been um given a trespass order by my local mp um or threatened with one anyway i've been banned from going anywhere near the uk high commission i'm not allowed in parliament after my rogue speech in parliament you know i'm i've, I've got no representation and i'm in a british person as well as a kiwi and i'm not even allowed to go near the embassy <laughs> so, that tells you everything you need to know yeah so it's being said now we're speaking on julian assange's 52nd birthday we'll get that right that's right <laughs> he might be only just over two weeks away from being extradited that's yeah very soon yeah that's it's very scary and um i do hope that this begins to mobilize some people into action because i think a lot of the disinformation that has been out there has been encouraging everyone to sit back and trust the plan if you're on the certain side or you know all julian's safe you know trump's saved him and i mean that that is there's no evidence for that whatsoever well mike pompeo um, was trump's guy yeah well trump was the one who um, arranged to kidnap him, give the IMF loan to Ecuador, um, spying on him. I mean, you know, the, all the atrocities really happened. And apparently Obama, although I have no love for Obama, but apparently he believed that this case was um, too too um, fundamental for the First Amendment in Amer in America to possibly consider um, prosecuting Julian. But um, whoever was advising Trump gave him some terrible, terrible advice. And then when it came time for him to potentially pardon Snowden and Assange, and there was a big drive then uh, around the end of Trump's um, um, uh, time, 
I believe that he was threatened with um, numerous indictments if he dared um, pardon Assange. So he was apparently threatened off it, um, from what I've heard. Mm. Okay, so what do you think is going to happen here? What's what's the community, the support community saying? Um, well, uh, the su- support community is is tired, <laughs> but and very thinly spread around the world. Um, but there are millions of us. It's um, you know, there are people everywhere who are supporting him, and 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 it is it is getting better in terms of um, you know, getting cutting through the disinformation and and whatnot. Um, I think that there are going to be major protests if he, if there's any move to extradite him. I think you know it could even be a tarmac turnaround. You know. At something like that because I think that that will be just one step too far for most people, especially if they can appreciate what this is doing to journalism as a whole. Yeah, but look at the politics in the UK like it is here. Um, You know, common sense or what's right and wrong doesn't seem to it doesn't make you know you can't can't hope for good anymore no none of the legal rules seem to be applying to julian i mean how how can you imagine that someone who'd um, threatened to assassinate assange and had spied on him and confiscated all of his you know materials and papers could possibly be having a trial um you know with any kind of legal you know privilege it just it just it's amazing that british justice has come to this but it shows you what a lapdog they are for the US or hand in hand with the Someone's US. got something on someone. Mm. Um, and, and let's turn our attention to Australia because he's an Australian. He's an Australian. Yeah. And you look after your citizens fundamentally. That's the whole point of being a country, being a nation state. And there's been a few sort of, you know, again, limp-wristed comments kind of supporting him. You know, we're doing what we can do. And I've told this the last prime minister Morrison, you know, I've I've had a word to so and so, and now Albanese, I think he's made a few comments, but nothing, nothing strong at all. It's all sort of weak. They of all people should be sticking up for one of their citizens, especially a journalist doing journalistic work, which is mm. <laughs> we all understand what that is. How do we explain the Australian government's uh, position on this? Is it like the UK's? They're like lap dogs. Absolutely. Lapdogs. I mean, um, Albo, I believe, did say something like enough is enough before he got elected and used that to get in because obviously there's a lot of people supporting Assange in Australia being that he's an Australian. Um, but uh, every attempt to get, you know, to, to get any con- consular help has been thwarted. It just doesn't seem like anything has come through to Julian's end. And I don't know what is blocking it, but there, you know, the Australian consular is, is suggesting that they have um, attempted to speak out and also, you know, talk to people. But, you know, there's no evidence that they ever have. Um, and in fact, you know, seats that were reserved for them at the trial, I think, weren't filled. And, um, you know, they, they've done nothing. We can see really that elections aren't fair at this point. I mean, we, we we know that there are issues that people's voices are not being heard. It's, it's not just as simple as, you know, we're not getting the right person to be the leader of the party. It really seems to be that, that you know, what the people want is not ever going to be um, looked at by anyone in power. And if they dare get in power, 
I, I think it's just, you know, deadly for them probably. Um, I mean, look at Corbyn. He was someone who was um, supporting Assange and they called him an anti-Semite. They, you yeah. know, they, 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 they pulled him apart and he was too weak. Really, he should have done more um, to combat it, but he just folded. And, and and I imagine it's the same whether it's a right or a left party in Australia. We've seen the same treatment, which is just ignore. Um, a lot of them use the excuse that they're just waiting for the you know legal process to finish, um, which really you could argue that it that it has now because the most recent update is that his um, appeal was rejected. He wasn't even allowed to appeal. Um, and, you know, he actually won his extradition case initially um, on the basis that he was suicidal and had mental health issues. Um, and then when it came to the bail hearing, he was kept in jail for, you know, the time of the until the appeals heard, which, you know, is so many. It's been so many years. You know, obviously he was he's five years now. He's in Belmarsh. This will be his Incredible. fifth birthday in Belmarsh. So, and, and yeah, I don't have much hope for Australia, to be honest. No, uh, no. All well, no, WLA puppets. <laughs> I don't think we have hope for any, in, including here. No. Um, so he's um, he's married. Stella is his wife. He's got two kids now. So he's That's a father, right. he's a husband. He's got um, a family that, you know, they pop up every now and then saying things I've seen his father and his brother. Mm. Are they surrounded by, who are they surrounded by? Well, unfortunately, I think that there's a lot of, um, oh, God, I'm not even sure if I should say it, but there's. I think there are bad lawyers in amongst the lawyers that are working for him, and there are a lot. Um, and it's not to say that everyone is, but I, I, I feel that the, the way the case is being handled, there are bad lawyers surrounding them. There are bad NGOs surrounding them that are Soros-linked. I mean, the lawyers have got links to the Clooney's and um, Soros again, Rockefeller's, you know, it's just it's just a bit of a nightmare. <laughs> it's, a, yeah. it's a bit of a nightmare. Um, it, it, the, the people surrounding Julian are um, some of them, you know, probably ego led or hoping for a career or, you know, they're, they're, you know, there might be other things driving them. It might not be complete nefariousness. It might be just opportunistic. But a lot of people jump on the bandwagon in order to get some fame. And um, a lot of the grassroots action, actions are completely ignored, and which is why I've been doing as much as I can to list them together and show all the solidarity around the world, even though a lot of these protests are small. Some of them have been very big. I don't know if you heard about the surround parliament one. Did you hear about that? Oh, oh. I might have, but remind, yeah. remind me. Oh, it was fantastic. Um, there was a surround parliament all around the world. We, you know, we did a little little thing in Wellington as well. We surrounded the Seddon sculpture. But um, in London, they managed to go round Big Ben, over one bridge, back along the South Bank and back over the bridge again and all the way and wrapped person holding hands all the way around. And it was the most incredible day of support. It must have been 15,000 people easily um and there have been protests in london that have been that big um it's been very hard elsewhere i think that you know freedom of speech is is just really on its last legs uh, i don't think we could really argue that we have a free press but if we want one we really have to fight for this guy uh, uh, because the precedent it sets is just so horrific that you can snatch a journalist out of any country um, and try them in in the US. I mean, imagine if Saudis did this, or you know, we, it, it's just such a bad precedence to be setting. And and I think at the end of the day, um, we'll we'll learn that um, the hard way. But hopefully, hopefully, sanity will prevail. <laughs> okay, so Alex, remind us what 
happens again today. You mentioned a Wellington event. Are there any other events around the country or gathering points, places that people should know about? Um, as far as I know, Wellington is the only action going on today. Um, we've been doing a banner drop this morning um, down at Hill Street near the UK High Commission. Um, but at lunchtime today, 12 noon at Cuba Mall in Left Bank, we're going to have um, letters pre-printed um, with envelopes so that people can send letters to their MP um, and we'll have some birthday cake and music. And um, we're, we're just hoping to catch people walking by um, in the mall at lunchtime. Um, and around the world, I mean, we've got an incredible array of events. So if anyone's listening from anywhere else, there are events in London. Um, we've got them in Italy, uh, Spain, France, Mexico, Canada, um, Belgium. Um, let yep. me see. I'm missing some. But, yeah, there's about yep. 10 countries um, with multiple cities doing major actions. Yeah. Well, I'm in Wellington and I'm not too far away, so I'll try and make it along to that. Oh, that'd be amazing. Uh, at, at midday today. Here's the last question. What do you think is going to happen here? Is there going to be a last minute something or is he doomed? Well, I think that they're going to make a martyr. And whether they extradite him or if, if we find out that something has really badly happened to his health or worse, that, that he well, died. he has, right? I mean, he's taken that right. bloody jab for a start. I know. I know. Um, well, I mean, I think that that once it becomes, I mean, that is not really public, well known in the public. Obviously, the mainstream media aren't going to cover that story. Um, but I do think that they don't want to martyr. And one of the reasons that they've been dragging this out, you know, like slow motion legal, you know, death by legal process, it almost is, isn't it? Um, well, it's lawfare, isn't it? Known yeah. as lawfare, this uh, technique. Yeah, yeah. And I think um, they've been doing that because they're very frightened that, that if they make him a martyr, they'll have all hell break loose. <laughs> um, I mean, well, maybe it's time for all hell to break loose. Yeah, arguably, definitely. Um, not that I want anything to. No, I don't either. Julia. But hey, you know. But I mean, if, if, if there's any attempt to get him out of um, Britain, I think, uh, I believe that that will begin to um, solidify some of the um, efforts. So, okay. um, and, you know, there's massive groups everywhere around the world. Um, and I think, you know, he's going to be tried in a court in Virginia if he goes over there. And I think then after that, he'll just be disappeared to a black site. Um, and God knows what will happen to him if, if that happens. But um, I do hold out hope that something like this is a big enough jolt <laughs> that we might get some more people realizing the importance of this precedent because um at the moment people seem to think it's just about this one guy and it, it couldn't be further from the truth it really no. is the precedent to end all legal precedents well it's the, it's the hill you know it could be the hill well not to die on but you know to mm. to really make a stand mm. alex hills from Candles for Assange. Thanks for coming on this morning and, and talking about this. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you, Paul. RCR with Paul Brennan. Reality Check Radio.